Hi everyone, welcome to the Learning to Sit Still podcast. I hope you are enjoying the start of a new month. I know I do. Every time I turn the calendar page, it feels like a fresh opportunity to start again, or maybe a small jumpstart to renew my focus on the goals I've set for the whole year. I do want to take a quick moment and mention that Sit Still My Daughter magazine is doing a very special sale. Any of our previous editions, including the winter 2021 issue, is only $5. That's right, $5. So if you've been wanting to try it out or wanted some of the back issues, this is the time to purchase your copy or one for a friend. I hear on a regular basis from my readers about how much they enjoy this publication from the simple quotes to the main articles. They always walk away with something to encourage and strengthen their heart. So if you haven't read it yet, may I encourage you to give it a try. The link will be in the show notes. Now for today's episode, I wanted to share the story of Jonah. As December was coming to a close, I decided to read the book of Jonah for my quiet time, and I was amazed at all the new things I saw and was challenged by the simple Bible study. And I wanted to share it with you. For those of you who are worried that we might go through the whole book of Jonah verse by verse, don't worry. I just want to share some of the main points of the story. While Jonah is considered one of the minor prophet books in the Bible, it is very unique in two ways. There are no prophecies concerning the people of Israel, and it will end with a question. Most of us are familiar with the story of Jonah, even those who are not saved. I mean, after all, when someone gets swallowed by a great fish, it tends to be remembered. <laughs> the introduction to Jonah is simple, as we read it in the first verse of the book. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amidai. We know he was a prophet, as Jesus referred to him in Matthew 12, verse 39. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. But Jonah's assignment was not to speak to his own people, but to the people of Nineveh, whose wickedness had come before the Lord. The term come before that is used in verse 2 of chapter 1 means a person's appearance before God. The word wickedness depicts evil in an absolute negative sense. It means bad in a moral and ethical sense. To put it bluntly, Nineveh was consumed by evil. It poured out of every area in their life. Their appearance before a holy God was completely marred by evil, like layers of filthy rags. There was no way they could hide it. But as much as our God is holy, he is also one of great compassion. Think about that. Their sin abounded, but God's grace abounded more. While we would have said they were beyond redemption, God commissioned someone to go and give them a warning. What a great reminder of just how merciful our God is and just how far he will go to give a second chance. In contrast to this powerful and beautiful illustration of God's grace and mercy is Jonah's response. For the first time, I was really struck by what Jonah's actions revealed about his heart. When he fled the presence of God by hopping on a boat headed in the opposite direction, he was not only in direct disobedience to God's command, it showed he did not have the same compassion. In fact, he was completely void of any desire to extend them mercy. Think about that for a moment. Jonah felt he had the right to determine who received God's grace or who would be told about God's grace. He had no desire to be involved in this mission of mercy, if you will. God calls us to spread his good news throughout the earth to every living soul. But here, Jonah decides he wants nothing to do with that. I was really taken back by this and had to stop and think if I had ever been guilty of this, of evaluating someone's appearance to determine if I wanted to share the gospel or not. Shame on me. Shame on all of us if we've ever found ourselves doing this. Sometimes 
it is those whose appearance takes us back that need the gospel more than anyone else. This is the first lesson from Jonah that I took away. God's grace is for everyone. It's not up to me to determine who is worthy of hearing it, but to share it to all God leads into my path. The next lesson comes from Jonah's journey on the boat. He was mistaken when he assumed he could outrun God. God sent a storm so strong that it frightened these seasoned sailors. They immediately turn to their gods and do whatever they can to save themselves. Finally, they decide it was time for Jonah to join them and pray to his God, unaware that he was the one true God. I find it a little sad that Jonah recognized the reason for the storm, his direct disobedience to God's command, but he was unwilling to repent or even confess it to the men until cornered by the casting of lots. He simply stood by and said nothing until there was no other option. Sadly, this this is a reminder for us that our actions of disobedience often cause the people around us to suffer as well when the truth did come out. I was struck, though, by the compassion offered by these pagan sailors. Their lives were in danger. They had tossed much of their cargo overboard in an attempt to lighten their load, which meant they were losing money. But when they were told that this whole episode of terror was Jonah's fault, the man who was fast asleep while they were all running around like madmen, they were still willing to offer compassion. Jonah had told them the only way to make the storm cease was to toss him into the sea. Yet they tried to find another way. I have to say, this would probably not have been my response. Well, okay, I don't think I would have wanted to throw him overboard either, but I would have been so mad and told him he was a terrible, selfish person. But they didn't. Even these sailors had more compassion than Jonah did. These men who had been put in danger of losing their lives were willing to risk theirs to save Jonah. Yet he was unwilling to deliver God's message to the people of Nineveh. It kind of seems to always go back to that little point, doesn't it? It's almost ironic that Jonah was given grace by these men, something he was withholding from others. I want to be that kind of person who can give grace to others, even when they make mistakes, even when it involves me. And as God's people, we should set the example. If we are wrong, we need to be willing to come forward immediately, ask forgiveness, and take responsibility for our actions, especially in front of the lost. We should not have to be cornered into a confession. On a side note, I can't help but think about Jonah's testimony. Here, he is supposed to be a prophet of God, the one who is a messenger of God's very words, but his life was not a reflection of that at all. His disregard to God's command was not a good testimony. It made me think of the times I have chosen to disobey God. How many times has it hurt my testimony and impact on the lost? We must always remember that we don't live life for ourselves. We are being watched even when we don't realize it. Every action, word, or response can have an impact on others for good or bad. These sailors would see the power of God when they did throw Jonah into the sea. We read it in verse 16 of chapter 1. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Although we don't know for sure if this means they became believers in God, they had witnessed that he was God. The sad part is that Jonah's actions were not the reason they did. Only the fact that after they tossed him over did they fear the Lord. We should seek to maintain a good testimony in front of everyone. You never know what a difference it will make in someone's life for eternity. Now the people of Nineveh is where I found my next little nugget. In Jonah chapter 3 verses 4 through 5 we read, And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. 
So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. The people of Nineveh believed God. The word believe means receiving something as true and sure. When I read that, it it grabbed me because of what they were. They were pagan people who were consumed by wickedness, yet when they heard God's message, they didn't question it, but received it as true and sure. This is very convicting to me. I am a child of God. I have access to his word and hear it spoken from the pulpit, yet how often do I ignore it? How often have I been a hearer of the word, but not a doer? God's word is truth. Every word can be believed and my life should be a reflection of my belief. The next verses six through nine were even more convicting. For the word came unto the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne and he laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and satin ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles saying, let neither man nor beast herd nor flock taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? When they were confronted about their behavior, they did not make an excuse or even get mad. They took it for what it was, the truth. And they altered their behavior in the hope that God might spare them. Something I found interesting was the fact that they did not have any promises to go on. They didn't know about the verse in Second Chronicles 7.14, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will hear their land. Or the one found in Psalms 51.17, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. The people of Nineveh simply acted by turning from their evil way and from the violence in their lands. They did what they could, and God saw them, and God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. That was verse 10 from Jonah chapter 3. What about me? What about you? What excuse do we use when God confronts us about our bad behavior or our willful disobedience? Do we make an excuse? Well, other people have done it, or it's not as bad as so-and-so, or, I mean, after all, I'm only human. Do we get upset when someone challenges us with the truth of our actions? My response should be as the people of Nineveh, to turn away from my sin, to forsake it, and beg God's forgiveness. Instead of being angry with someone when they tell us the truth about our sinful conduct, we should be grateful to them that they had the courage and even compassion to call us out because it means we have the opportunity to repent, to alter our ways, and to be cleansed. To be chastened is not a bad thing. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. That is the beginning of Hebrews 12, verse 6. A reminder that God corrects us because he loves us. The people of Nineveh were given the mercy they needed, and our God is ready and willing to grant the same to us when we confess our sins to him. Now the final lesson was the most eye-opening to me. Jonah chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Jonah is upset 
that God spared the people of Nineveh. He wanted to see them destroyed even after he, though grudgingly, delivered God's message. And now we find out why he was so reluctant in the first place. He knew that God was gracious, merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness. That is the epitome of selfishness. Not only did Jonah want to deny the people of Nineveh God's grace, but he did it because he hated the fact that they might repent and be spared. That really blew my mind. He who was God's messenger, who should have been a reflection of God's character, wanted these people to perish. But what really took my breath away was the definition for the word gracious. Mercy in the face of rebellion. Let that sink into your mind. Mercy in the face of rebellion. I can't even begin to describe all the thoughts and even the emotions that went through my mind as I tried to process that phrase. If you are looking for a sentence to sum up the entire book of Jonah, that's it. Mercy in the face of rebellion. Jonah rebelled against God. He deliberately disobeyed God, yet even in this rebellious state, God was merciful. He saved him from drowning by creating a big fish and after three days told the creature to spit Jonah back up onto dry ground, not the sea, mind you, but safely on shore. The people of Nineveh had rebelled against God and their severe wicked behavior, yet God granted them mercy by sending someone to warn them of the coming destruction. And how about us? We were in a rebellious state when lost, but God was merciful to us. He even loved us, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 8. While we were yet sinners, rebels against God, we were loved and offered mercy. What is interesting about this term is the fact that it is solely used as a descriptive term of God. That is something that he alone can do or gives us strength to be merciful to those who are rebellious. Apart from him, it is impossible. But let's go back to this idea because it was so powerful. Mercy in the face of rebellion. What an amazing God we serve who extends mercy to us in the face of our rebellion. But May I suggest that we never take this for granted or use it as a reason to behave as Jonah. He knew God was gracious and behaved ungraciously by being angry at the sparing of Nineveh and angry when God took away his gourd that provided shade while he was sitting in the sun. This was the behavior of a spoiled brat, not a child of God. We should always be grateful that God is a God who extends mercy, even when we are in a rebellious state. But we should always seek to have the right attitude one whose perspective of God is correct. We are his creation, not the other way around, and he is due all the respect and honor we can give. These are just a few things I found when studying the book of Jonah. Can I encourage you to take some time to read it for yourself? It's only four short chapters, but there are many truths to be found in this book tucked between Obadiah and Micah. Let's purpose in our hearts to be a people that are willing to be messengers of grace to the world, to offer compassion to those in need, even if they've wronged us, ready to repent of our sins when confronted by God or others, and always remember just how good God has been to us, even when we behave rebelliously. I hope you have a wonderful day, my friends. Take the time to sit still so that you can know God better and deeper each day. Thank you.